Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. All right, so we're in a series that we're working on right now, um, and uh, this is a series on the Sermon on the Mount. Again, I'm going to tell you this every time. We only got a couple more weeks of this, so if it hadn't burned into your brain yet, it will. If you're watching at home or you're in the room right now, uh, this is what we're saying. That is the greatest message that was ever preached by the greatest preacher that ever preached, Jesus Christ, right? The Sermon on the Mount. So today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this from Matthew 7. I'm going to read from Matthew 7, and we're just kind of walking through the Sermon on the Mount, each kind of... Each kind of topic, he kind of, Jesus didn't really break it down, but you know, the guys who translated it did for us. So I'm kind of breaking it down from those kind of categories, okay? So today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the cost, and I'm, I'm referring to the express lane. So if you want to look at Matthew 7, we'll get there in just a moment. But referring to the, this idea that Jesus said in Matthew 7, and think about it as like an express lane. Now, I don't know if you use the express lane in your trips to Atlanta, if you go enough, um, you will eventually use that thing. Whether you meant to or didn't mean to, you will get on it. Like the first couple of times they opened up, used to be an exit I would take to get off 75 onto a certain, I can't remember the exit now that it was on, but they changed it and converted it to express lane entry only. And so two times I was in Haley's car, not my car, but in Haley's car, I get on the express lane and I'm like, oh man. And if you've ever done this, so it's not like old school you used to drop the quarters in the toll booth. Remember that? You just, oh, I, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. Not anymore. It's all electronic. They take a picture of your tag. They take a picture of you. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm in Haley's car. <laughs> She's going down. You know, She's going to be driving. State trooper's going to pull over. Ma'am, did you know you ran two toll booths? I didn't know. I could just see it right now, you know. She'd be crying and all the time. They pulled me over. Do you know anything about this? And me and myself would be like, oh, you know, I forgot to tell you that uh, I was supposed to pay that. And thankfully, they didn't send anything. I got away with it. But on our trip to Orlando, we got into the same situation again. In Florida, there are no toll booths. It is all in one section. It's all express lane. You have to pay by card, by a little sun pass thing. So finally, I decided, you know, enough's enough. I'm tired of getting in these toll booth lanes without having my, the thing you need. So I bought a sun pass, not knowing that in the ATL, it works here. Oh, it is of Jesus. You can now, I don't know if you've seen it before, but if you're in one of the 25 lanes of traffic on I-75 and you look up and see this overpass of like two lanes just... And there's this little couple of cars just going over you going like, why do they get to do that? That's called the express lane. And like this little pass works in Georgia, Florida, and one of the Carolinas. I don't remember which one. So I bought it. I bought it for all my cars. Set it on there. And no matter what, if we go through one now, it, it just hits the little card. It's $2. I know some people say, that's crazy. I would never pay that much money to drive. Listen, you have never been stuck in Atlanta traffic enough then. It is so fun when you hop up on the line. And you look down at all those people sitting down in traffic, 25 lanes of 75 sitting over there looking at them. And, you know, who knows why they're stopped. There's never a real good reason, but you're just driving on past them, man. I'll tell you something. Express lane, I know it costs you something, but it's worth every penny that you pay. Now, why am I telling you that? Because if you're going to follow Jesus, I'm going to tell you something. It's going to cost you to really follow Christ but it's worth every penny that you pay. 
So I'm going to read this to you from Matthew 7, and I'll, I think I'm going to put it on the screen because i got a different translation here for you. But uh, Matthew 7, look at this, let's see, around verse 13 here. It's just two verses, but we're going to just talk about these real quick. But put them on the screen for you here. So Matthew 7 and verse 13 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. Right? Now watch this, verse 14. Let's put this up for him. For the gate is small... And the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. I'm telling you, next time you're in Atlanta, get on the express lane and see if this isn't true. Few find it, but it's the best thing going. It's going to cost you, but it's better than going through what you see down there. And it's the same way with following Christ. I'm telling you, it's going to cost you following. If you're really going to follow Jesus, now listen, if you're going to be a casual Christian, which if anything COVID has done, if there's anything that COVID has done, I was reading an article of the day that in, in one of the Christian circles that, that wrote this. If it's anything COVID's done, it has exposed the lie that has been preached and taught to us for years that America is a Christian nation. Because if it is, you just go and look at all the stuff that's going on right now by now. Look at all the stuff that people wanting to vote in and vote for and everything else is going to try to come. If they get what they're going to, look at all the things you got and ask yourself. If we're such a Christian nation, why did COVID bring about such angst within our nation? Because I don't think we are a Christian nation. And I know that's, oh, I can't believe that. No, we are. No, we're not. If we were, then on Sunday mornings, uh, we'd need to do about 20 different services at every church in Rome, Georgia. We're not. No, we are casual Christians, the majority. It's like 25 lanes on I-75. You know, there ain't that many. Well, sometimes it feels like it, but, they, you know, there's a lot of them. Everybody's going this away because that's just the way it needs to go. Very few decide to get on express lane. Very few. Takes a little time to register for it. Takes some effort. Costs you a little bit, but it's worth it in the long run. So what does it cost me? How does it cost more, Pastor? Well, it may not cost you more money. You know, money's one of those things we talk about sometimes in church, and Jesus talked about it a lot. It's not my, my point today. You, we're very generous people. You're generous. I'm generous. We, we all like to give and tithing and giving offerings and helping people and things like that. That's, that to me is the smaller part of what Christianity costs you. If you're going to follow Jesus, that part to me is not that big a deal. I don't know why it's such a big fight. It's just not that big a deal. I'm going to tell you what it really costs you. It really costs you when people lie about you. And what is your response going to be? It really costs you when people post something about you or against you or something that is not even true, and you know, but how do you respond to that? That's when it costs you. When your faith gets put on the line is when you have to decide, am I going to respond out of how I want to respond like everybody else in the freeway? Or am I going to do it different and respond like Jesus? And so this is why we've got to listen to James. Now, I don't always want to listen to James. Matter of fact, I hardly ever want to listen to James. It's not my favorite book in the Bible. You know, people say this is my favorite book. James is not my favorite book in the Bible. Not even close. <laughs> it's not even close. If you read James and you say it's your favorite book, you're lying. Because James will wreck you. First verse, you're like, oh, man, I'm a loser. Like, I don't even love Jesus halfway, you know. Because James puts it on line for you. And I'm not talking about James Brown. or Some of y'all want to, what James are you talking about? Not James Brown, not LeBron. 
Not James Taylor, not James Dean. No, James in the Bible. James, okay? But look at this. James chapter 1, verse 19, okay? Some of y'all are thinking like, I know James. James, like James. No, James in the Bible. James 1, 19. Listen to what he says. This is what you know, my brethren. Everyone, 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 not just the preachers. I just wanted to stop and for, for effects right there. Not just the preachers, not just people you think ought to do this, but everybody ought to be quick to hear. Slow. Oh, let's just stop for a moment right here and pray. Dear Lord Jesus, help us today because we're about to read something everybody knows in this room. We don't do very well and we need your help in it in Jesus' name. And all the liars better say amen this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's right. Slow to speak and slow to anger. Mercy. Then he goes into anger again. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Now, listen, this word is saving your soul. It's not talking about salvation. This is talking about a different word. The saving of the soul is a, talking about a mind or emotions, really, more than anything. The saving of your spirit is done through Christ through, the resur- through his death, burial, and resurrection. This is the saving of your soul. The engrafted word is every time you pick up God's word and you read it. You're reading the, the word. It's being engrafted into you. It's being implanted into you, if you will. And every time you read this, it is saving your soul. So that when one of these people on the freeway cuts you off, you don't respond like everybody else does. And I know the thought goes through you. See, y'all look at me like all holy now. Don't, don't, act, don't look at me like you're so righteous because I know it's gone through your mind too. If you had the bigger vehicle, I'll just run you off of the road. And you look at me like right now like I would never. You're lying to me. And if you're watching right now online, I'm telling you right, if you, don't you be all so holy and type on there, I would never do it. You lying? No. You know if you could get away with it, if you was in one of those big trucks, you thought about it. Oh, he wouldn't. I'd just run him right off. Just enough to, not to hurt him. Just, just enough to put him off the road for a little bit. That's how you, but you can't do that. That wouldn't be very Christ-like. Now, we would hopefully not do this, but anyway... Every time you study your word, every time you read your word, every time you get something from God's word, it is implanted into you. It, is in, it begins to do something in you, and over a period of time, it changes who you are, and you respond different. It's not salvation. The saving of your soul is this part of you, which Romans talks about, the renewing of the mind, that you've got to renew your mind. It is how you're transformed. It is not going to be transformed. Listen, God love us all. Like Joey said earlier, I know it's crazy. I know it's nuts. I know it's the world has gone upside down three times in 2020, it seems like, and turned right side up. I know. But if you gauge your time and you say, well, 30% of my time, I, I get my information from this source. That is what's going to feed your soul, so therefore you're going to respond out of what you've been feeding from. If you don't feed enough from this, the world will give you enough of their stuff. No matter what you, what you want to go for, you will respond from it. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. Man, I'm like ready to tweet, fight, vote, whatever. You know, I'm ready to go after somebody. You know, like, in, nah, be slow to speak, Jody. The whole WWJD thing is not what would Jody do. It's what would Jesus do. Dear Lord Jesus, help us again right now because we all need it. I'm going to pray for us about five times today. It's kind of like when you're looking down the road, you know, and if you've ever been in the main traffic of the deal in the, in the interstate and you didn't get in the express lane, this is the reaction you have. It's stressful. You're filled with rage, anxiety, and you're trying to, to compress all that stuff down. 
Especially when you get up there, you know, you know all this traffic, you're driving down the road, and everybody's been standing still for like 30 minutes, and you get up to see what, it must have been a nuclear bomb that went off, and why is it so bad? You get up there, and all it is is somebody's changing their tire 15 feet off of the road, but everybody's got to stop and look at it. Because God forbid, it might be kangaroo or something that escaped from the Atlanta Zoo. We don't know. We just got to look. No? It's all right? Everybody? He's just changing the tire. And there's 20 miles of open road. Why? No different than in the world. In the world, it's the same way. You can get so distracted by something that means nothing in this life. James says, slow down. Why does he say slow down? Well, sometimes if you hear something, you see something, something gets under your skin, you have to ask yourself the question, is this really worth a response? Because sometimes, you know, people tell you what they think. You know that? You know what I'm saying? Like they just they tell you everything they know, like in about five minutes. You know, is that all you got? All right, then. Well, we know what you know, right? But they just tell, they just want to tell you about all the things they would do, and they don't have any experience in it. And we all do this, we call it Monday morning quarterback, right? We watch our favorite ball teams, and we say, what we would have done had we been, but you ain't a coach. Like, my father-in-law might be the only one in here, and maybe Bill, that might, I don't know, maybe some uh, coach in the back, I got you back there, but there's a few of y'all in here coaches, I'll listen to y'all. But for everybody else, I'll tell you what I would have, I'd have fired up. You don't know. You didn't even play football. You tell me what I, what, I, what I would do. You wouldn't do anything. You don't know anything about how to coach a football team. I mean, you know. But, boy, we got all kinds of opinions. Sometimes it's not worth the response. But what about during a COVID crisis? <laughs> does God have anything to say about what we're going through now? I think he does. I just think it's a matter if we want to hear it. So let me read this to you from 1 Peter 1 Peter chapter 2, so James had something to say, now let's listen to what Peter says. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, he says, dear friends, I warn you as, watch this, temporary residents and foreigners, meaning, translation, Georgia translation, you're not here long, okay, just in case we didn't know what that meant, temporary residents and foreigners, we're here temporary, to keep away from the worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Now, for me, that could be something different for you. That is not. I mean, we like to read this and think, well, what's worldly desires? Oh, man, that's drugs and alcohol, all this crazy stuff like people in all kind of addict. No, 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 no. Worldly desires can be anything that pulls you in to a point where it wages war against your very soul. God's giving you one thing from this to save your soul. The world's feeding you this to try to take it from you. If it's stealing it from you, that's a worldly desire. That's why for me, I can't listen very long to stuff on the news. Y'all do what you want to do. I've already made my decision a long time back. I don't know what everybody's so worked up about. You ain't going to control it. You're not going to fix it. And the more you listen to these talking heads making millions of dollars off of whatever you like or whatever you want, I'm a pastor. I am not a politician. You understand what I'm saying? So therefore, I don't listen to all these guys. I read. (laughs) Because I find that reading... I can control the narrative. You understand what I'm saying? When I read, I can read the same thing and go like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But when I listen to people, it, something about when I listen to it too long, it just would, now it may not do that for you. And that's fine. If you're watching online right now, maybe nothing bothers you like that. That's fine. But for me, it would stress me out. 
I found myself going like worried about it. Oh, man, what is this going to do? How is this going to ah. And finally I just thought, you know, i got to stop. This is, this is not healthy for me. Now, maybe it's something else for you all together. But it's whatever pulls your soul into the gutter. God's trying to save your soul with his word. The world's trying to steal and wage war with your soul. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Now, this is a word to us as Christians. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Unbelieving neighbors. Just be honest with you guys. Uh, Unbelievers do what unbelievers do. So I don't know if it's been like a while since you had coffee with somebody who doesn't doesn't know Jesus, but I did construction years ago. And listen, I've heard about everything you think you can hear. Because on the job side, I think I about heard it. Every word, every joke, everything you think, I can't believe somebody would say, I probably heard it. If you ain't heard that in a while, chances are you hadn't been around anybody that maybe doesn't believe like you. And it might startle you like to think, oh, why would you think that? Well, maybe they don't know Jesus. How did you think before you came to Christ? Sometimes we have the benefit of looking back. We think, I would never, oh, oh, oh. Now, let's just, 1982, what happened then? 1994, what happened? You know, we all got stuff that we don't anybody want to see, right? Let's just be honest. Because we've all done things that we have not always been Christians. But he says to us today, watch how you live among your unbelieving neighbors. Then if they accuse you of doing wrong. They'll see your honorable behavior, and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. It's just like, it sounds like somebody from Georgia. For the Lord's sake. You know, it's like, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority. You know, we'll talk about this something later. All human authority. Whether the king is head of the state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should watch silence. Here, here it comes. You've been waiting for this. Those ignorant people. You know, you can't call them that, but Peter did right there for you. Silence those ignorant people who make, watch this, foolish accusations against you. It means sometimes you've got to ask yourself, is this worth responding over? Do you understand what I mean? It's not in my notes, and you don't have, you'll just have to look this up later. But in Proverbs, around <clears throat> Proverbs 18, the Bible says it's one of my favorite scriptures, probably around 15, 16, 17, somewhere in there. But Proverbs 18 says this. He who speaks first in the court of law sounds right. Watch this. Until the cross-examination begins. So let them say what they need to say. But it may sound like, ah, and it may sound like, well, man, it's not right, it's not right. But wait until the cross-examination begins. The Bible also says in Proverbs, around Proverbs 9, I think, it's not my notes, but just this morning I was thinking about these things. Proverbs chapter 9, I think around verse 5, maybe 8, verse 9, somewhere in there. Anyways, Proverbs 9 is not long, you can read it. It says this, he says, if you correct a fool, he will hate you. That's what it says. If you correct a fool, he will hate you. If you correct the wise, he will add to his wisdom and learning. Now here's a question, just a random question this morning. Everybody online watching? Everybody in the room this morning, just this question. (laughs) If nobody ever corrects you, does that mean they consider us to be a fool? Just think about it. 
Because if you never get corrected, it may be that they've already determined that the response is not warranted, so therefore they don't say anything. If you do get corrected, don't take offense to it. Obviously, they must think you're a wise person and you're going to listen and apply it to your life. So growing up, I had a lot of correction. I consider myself to be a wise person. Thank you very much. If you never get corrected, I don't know what that means. There's a time when you've got to defend yourself, absolutely, but not every time. We don't need to go out and look and try to pick a fight. We need to learn self-control, and here's why. Because you cannot control other people. You can't do it. Don't you wish you could? I'm like, boop. <laughs> I've just been, boop. No, you can't. You can only control you. That's why James tells us, be quick to listen. Slow, Jesus, help Jody. Slow to speak. Slow to get angry. Man, James, why did he have to say that? Because it's what Jesus would do. So a couple of examples of this. Jesus' disciples. I'm going to read a couple of verses to you and then we wrap up today, okay? This is in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21. This is from Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus. And we have to, we have to, look, we all have to agree, Peter was probably not the most um, compliant disciple. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, he had some, don't you think he was not, I mean, he was kind of the one that had the most kind of anger issues. He just say stuff, you know. John, you know, he's always loving Jesus. Like, he was a little perfect John. I hated John. Reading him in the Bible, John's the biggest He's like that Christian just gets on your nerves, right? His prayers are always right. His Bible's always marked just right. He sits down and it's like angels just carried him to his seat. I can't stand John in the Bible. Peter, I can relate to. I'm like, that's me right there because I would have said that. I'd have probably cussed at that girl at the fire pit. I probably would have done. That would have been me right there, Peter. Thank you, Jesus, for calling Peter because I feel like I fit in the discipleship category, you know. But this is Peter. He says in chapter 2, verse 21, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, watch this, he's your example, and you must follow in his steps. For he never sinned. Now, that's a hard, that's a tall order right there. Nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. Oh, man, he left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. That's one of the disciples of Jesus. Another disciple of Jesus who was not with him but met him later was Paul. One of my favorite scriptures, and this, I like Paul's, you know, James is not my favorite book in the Bible, but I do like some stuff Paul said. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10 says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. Oh, man, we want to know the power. We want to know Jesus. We want to know the power. We want to know God. Man, it's awesome. Watch this, though. I want to know him and the power of of his resurrection and all. Why did he put that in there? The fellowship of his sufferings. One of the disciples of Jesus. Another one who was not with Jesus. He was not one of the original 12. This is a guy who got his information about Jesus from eyewitnesses. Luke. Luke 14.27 says this. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Listen, man, life is easier with Jesus, no doubt about it. It's like the express lane. I'm going to tell you, it will cost you. It will cost you. And even when you get off that express lane, you know at some point you do have to enter into 
the craziness is down below. You, it doesn't go on forever. You do have to get in and out of this thing to, to be able to use it. It may cost you pride. It might cost you forgiving people. It might cost you releasing some things. It might cost you your anger, some fear, or some rejection. It's going to cost to follow Jesus. And I wrote this down, and I'm going to close up with this last thought is this. Because, again, I, I, again, I really want to make this very clear. I think we have all seen now that we are not a Christian nation. I think we need to understand that. Don't call, let it cause you heartburn. Just understand that's the truth. If we were, then the things in which we say we are, 80% of the country that says that they are, our nation would not be experiencing all of the confusion and pain and things that we do. Just That's just the reality. So we're not. We just need to just accept that and realize that, wait a minute, maybe the people that I thought were Christians may not be. Maybe I need to ask myself, Am I assuming that all these people around me are believers, but maybe they're not? I wrote this down. Carrying the cross is not following the cross. Two different things. The man who helped Jesus carry the cross, that was heavy. The crowd who followed the cross had no skin in the game. You can follow after a cross all you want to, but until you pick it up and really carry it, you're not going to experience what it means to suffer for Christ. Because as Christians, we're called, when people say things again, when they lie about you, you know, because your first thought, I'm going to run them off the road and you act on it, that's not Christ-like. If my first thought is to retaliate and I'm going to just blast them, that's probably not so Christ-like. Yeah, but it's not right. I know it's not right. I know it's not fair. I didn't say it was just. But Jesus, in the middle of all this, put his case in the hands of a just God. The Bible says that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It is not our place to do it. I didn't say you'd have to defend yourself. I didn't say you couldn't protect yourself. I didn't say if someone comes to run in your house, you could, I didn't say you had to protect your family. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying, though, how do we respond? Because Jesus didn't say to follow a cross. He said to carry a cross. And that is true discipleship. So this morning I ask you this question online in the house here. And it's just something I've been thinking about lately. You know, this is the craziest year I've ever seen in my life. Maybe there's crazier years. I don't know. But if anything that it's done, it's caused me to examine what I really believe, examine what faith really is, examine what Christianity really is. And I've thought about this, that, you know, if my faith doesn't cost me anything, am I really, truly practicing my faith? Like, so if Christianity hasn't cost me anything yet except... Oh, you, you know, you go into church on Sunday, is that what you are? If that's all it's cost you, it, just throwing this out there. Maybe we should ask ourselves, it, it, you know, is this really Christianity? If it hadn't really cost me anything yet, if I, if I hadn't really had to pay any kind of price yet, is it really Christianity or am I just kind of going with the majority over here? Do I stand out at all? And I'm not trying to be holier than thou. I'm just saying. How do I respond to people? 
How do I carry my cross? How do I walk with God? And this morning, as we close out this time, I want to pray for you, and I want to ask you to, to, to do this. You know, Paul said a couple of things that's very interesting. He said there are times when we ought to examine our lives and see whether or not we are actually in the faith. Very interesting question. As much as we talk about the, the importance of salvation, I believe fully in, 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 in salvation, that when you're saved, I believe you're a Christian, I don't think there's this back-and-forth thing. No, I'm not talking about that. Ask yourself, am I really in the faith? Or am I kind of on the sidelines and able to just critique the coach after Sunday? Or am I really in? Or has it just kind of been easy? So right now, just, just want to challenge you in the room, challenge you online. Just close your eyes where you are just for a moment. You're here today and you say, hey, Pastor Jody, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And I do need to be challenged in this area. And so I want to pray for you. I want you to take a moment, ask yourself a question. Lord, the question would be this, just you, between you and God right now. I'm examining myself and asking God, Lord, am I being challenged in my faith or has it just become very casual? Do I fit in too well with everybody else around me? I'm not saying I've got to be crazy, not saying I've got to be weird, not saying I've got to be the kind of person that just has, you know, notifications all over the place that says I'm a Christian. Just saying how I walk, how I talk, how I handle my business. God, is there any area in my life that you need to challenge me on, that I need to examine? Not out of condemnation, out of conviction. Lord, is there any area of my life I need to just say, you know what, this area I need to surrender more to you. I need to be more Christ-like in this area. And if it is, just make the adjustment in your heart. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. And Father, I pray if there's anybody here today or anybody watching right now online that doesn't know you, I pray today that they would surrender their life to you right now. If that's you, you're at home or watching online or you're in this room right now, you don't know Christ and you need to, I just want you to pray this prayer with me right now. You just simply say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my life. Lord, I surrender my life to you today and I I ask you to be my Lord and be my Savior. Dear God, I don't know how to serve you, but I ask you to help me serve you. I ask you to change me, to forgive me. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you, right, church? Would you give me a hand right now? Just give me a hand, would you? So, so proud of you. Listen, if you're watching online right now on the screen, you'll see something called connect.cornerstonerome.com. If you'll just take a moment to fill that information out for us, we want to help you get started walking with God, help you get started in discipleship, because scriptures teach us, if there's anything about Jesus, he teaches us, it's discipleship. It is not casual Christianity. It is not just Sunday morning. It is a discipleship that comes from the scriptures, and you need help becoming a disciple. So take a moment, fill that out for us. We'll get back with you to help you get started walking with Christ. If you're in here as well, the same thing. We don't have the paper uh, things to fill out, but if you just fill that out, you can use it on your smartphone. Very simple, connect.cornerstonerome.com. If that's you and you need help, you need walking out with anything, you need some discipleship tools, and we want to help you get started walking with Christ. And listen, I want to say one thing more before we go. Every one of us in this room, needs to understand, these are not times where we walk in condemnation. 
this is not a message because I, it never fails whenever I do something like this. Somebody says, wow, I don't want to be. No one is talking about condemnation. This is conviction. And there is a big difference between the conviction of God Almighty and the condemnation of the devil in the world. I am not walking in condemnation. But, oh, God, would you please set a fire in my heart that I might burn and do for you what you need me to do. That's called conviction, baby. There is a big, big difference. So don't walk out of today going like, man, I, no, 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 it's not condemnation. It'd be no different. My father-in-law grabbed you up by the lapels if you was playing football for him and said, hey, you got to catch the ball next time, boss. Or I'm going to headbutt you, whatever. You got you to gotta get in the game. It's no different. So before we go today, I'm going to bless you. This blessing before we leave in Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24, it says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Man, God bless you so much. Love you guys so much. We'll see you next week. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.